Hello, Career Cohort. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Emily Wong, founder of Words of Distinction. We talk about tools for achieving career success, inspirational stories about overcoming career and life challenges, and how we can recalibrate our perspective to better enjoy the journey forward. Hello, Career Cohort. Today, my guest is Melissa Reeves. Melissa is the founder and CEO of Fortune Avenue Consulting, a career and business consulting firm that blends her educational and professional experience to help clients crush their career and organizational goals. She holds a Master of Education degree in organizational leadership and learning from the George Washington University and a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Arizona State University. She's a member of Career Thought Leaders, Career Industry Authority, and the National Career Development Association. She has coached and helped hundreds of candidates write effective career documents and prepare for their next step using her direct experience working in corporate recruiting at Fortune Number 1. Melissa lives in the Fort Smith, Arkansas area with her husband and four children. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Emily. I'm super excited to be here today. I'm very excited to have you here. And on a personal note, I just want to share that Melissa and I are connected through Career Industry Authority and Career Thought Leaders. And most recently, we got to know each other because we were talking to each other in Clubhouse, which is a social audio app where people can go and talk about just about any topic. It's like a podcast, but it's all live. And we'll talk about that a little bit toward the end. But right now, I just love to dive in and start picking your brain, Melissa, because you bring something special to your career practice. And that is your understanding of the mind of a recruiter because you've been there. So here's a question that I'd love to settle now because I think there's confusion about recruiters and who they actually represent. So can you clarify that for us? Yes, and that's definitely a question that gets asked a ton. People are always kind of blending the lines of of that relationship. And so at the end of the day, the recruiter is always going to be working for the company that hired them. So as much as they want to help candidates, and trust me, they do, you know, they still have to report into that hiring manager, that company, whether that is a retained search firm, an executive search firm, or an internal recruiter, which is where I have most of my experience being that internal recruiting partner like you mentioned at at Walmart, but that is definitely um, something that people kind of lose sight of, especially if you get a good relationship going with a recruiter. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but it's almost like you start to feel like they are there to advocate solely for you. And again, it's just really what is the business needing at that moment. Right. I think, as you said, it's, it's, it's tough to lose sight of the fact that recruiters are working. I mean, they're really working hard, right? They have to fill hundreds 
of jobs. Is that an exaggeration? I mean, really, there's a lot of pressure on them to fill these roles and they've got to act quickly. And uh, again, for the company who hired them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that candidates really don't understand is that bandwidth, right? Like there are truly, you know, there were recruiters that I've worked with and we had 30 requisitions at any given time. That's 30 different hiring managers that you're reporting to HR business partners that you're reporting to. And some of those requisitions have multiple positions listed under them. So, you know, multiply that. And that's not even counting the other things that you have to do. So you have to source these candidates. You know, you have to go out and find people. You have to be messaging people. And then, of course, you know, some people don't respond. And then it's like you're going into the interview phase and you're having to coordinate that. Um, it's just, there is so, so much work that candidates really don't see on that side. And again, it's all coming back to, they then have to report into that hiring manager who wanted this position filled yesterday. Right. Right. Melissa, your experience was as a corporate recruiter, right? So you were not an outside recruiter. And I imagine, and from what I've heard and read is that they're very different too, because the the recruiter who, if you're in-house, you have more of an understanding of what that company needs because you're fully immersed in that culture. Whereas if it's a recruiter who's outside and they've been contracted, they're not going to necessarily know exactly. So you have to be very specific about what your skill sets are if you're a candidate. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I do still do um, recruiting for my clients. So that's a great, that's a great point right now, because I even face that today with, I have a good working relationship with my client, but I don't understand intimately how their team works, how they're structured. You know, some of those kind of corporate characteristics that I knew very well at Walmart, because it's embedded in you when you are an employee, it is very different than coming outside and not being embedded in that business at all. And so, so yeah, definitely, definitely as a candidate, that's another line that's kind of hard to, um, hard to address sometimes from the recruiting side and having that skill set be, I guess that would come in with personal branding too. Um, Yeah. I mean, that kind of ties into my next question, which is the best way to communicate with a recruiter. And I would think that in that case where a client is working with an outside contractor, if they're not specific, if their resume isn't specific about how that, how the job, how their background fits the role that's not that's not helpful to you as an as a contracted recruiter because you know what those specifics are and they need to match. Yeah, and I would say across the board, you know, even when you are an internal recruiter. So, so first of all, when we talked about bandwidth and how busy they are, now imagine your inbox being inundated with all of these requests from people. And most of the time, candidates will reach out and just give their resume and say, do you have any positions that my background aligns with? That is so unhelpful. And I can almost guarantee you're not going to get a response because of all of the work that's happening. 
So you really want to help the recruiter by, like you said, being specific in both what your resume is detailing and your message to them. So I would always recommend, you know, first of all, if there's something that you already applied to or a specific job posting that you saw, reference that in your message. And then like list out a few of your skills or or talk about the value that you bring to that company um, and say, this is what I'm looking for. You know, I found this job posting online. My background aligns with it because X, Y, Z. I've worked on similar challenges elsewhere. Give some really concrete information because then that recruiter can go, oh, okay, like that skill set does make sense. That is what we're looking for. That's interesting. And they already know that you're focused on a specific job or set of jobs that's going to help so much more. And the second thing to that is that sometimes, especially at larger organizations, you might reach out to a recruiter and they're not even in the specific job function that you're looking for, right? So if you're a finance um, professional and you reach out to a recruiter that's dealing in HR or the people organization, they're not you know, they're not going to be able to help you, number one, because they're not on the requisitions. But if you have that information, they will probably send your information to the right recruiter. So that's another reason you need to be specific with what you're looking for and really help the recruiter help you. That's a really good point. Uh, you know, our our colleague, Charlotte Taylor, posted on LinkedIn about, it was a, a Wall Street Journal article on relationship with the recruiters. I don't know if you saw that today. I did just see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, what your point about kind of knowing which recruiters are seeking which candidates for which types of roles, I think that's really, really helpful. And that, that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And that can even, not all of the recruiters will list that, um, you know, the specific job function that they recruit for on their LinkedIn, but a lot of them will. So, you know, and a, a, an easy one to see usually is the tech field. Usually technical recruiters, they have, um, you know, that they are a technical recruiter. But even when we break it down, you know, there's so many different areas of technology. So, really taking just a minute to go onto their LinkedIn profile and see, you know, if they have any information about where they're recruiting for within the business is going to help you tremendously as a candidate. Yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of goes back to that nurturing relationships because it's possible that a recruiter is going to contact someone who they think is a good fit, but turns out not to be a good fit. Maybe that that candidate is actually looking for something different, but that's kind of a little, it's a little bit of a windfall to the candidate because then they have an in with that recruiter and they might even help that recruiter find someone. So this is a real opportunity to turn something that could be transactional into a real long-term relationship and who knows where that recruiter is going to end up, right? They could be, they could end up in something related to what you're doing, or maybe they have another colleague, as you said, there's another colleague who is focused on what that person is looking for. So I think that's one thing. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just going to agree wholeheartedly. Um, a lot of time when we get into the corporate space, there is movement within the recruiting team and people are taking over. You know, I, I worked everything from Walmart technology. I went into HR. I worked on campus recruiting, health and wellness and, you know, legal I, all over the place. And so that is so true that that while a lot of recruiters are in one area, there's always going to be movement and people that need to, you know, fill in temporarily or they take over a book of business for another another function. So, so yeah, definitely keeping those lines open and referrals are always appreciated. So yeah, that recruiter is going to think of you and you are going to build a solid communicative relationship with them if you're willing to also provide them value in some way. Yeah. And I just want to reemphasize that relationship building because I think a lot of us are in a situation where we're, oh no, I need to get a job and I need to find somebody and I need to ask them for their time. But we all need to take a breath and treat recruiters as we would treat any other professional or personal relationship. Yes, yes, definitely. And I love that you're saying the relationship building because it's true. And this can be a whole topic. You know, we've, we've definitely had these conversations around networking, but that's really, that's really what it is. It's relationship building is what, no, you know, networking and relationship right. building. That's yeah. What we're yeah. About. You and I have had a lot of conversations about networking. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So we talked about, you know, my next question was how can people attract recruiters? And you talked about finding those recruiters who are actually in your field. Uh, and then we talked about maybe that recruiter can introduce you to someone else. What are some other ways that we could attract a recruiter? So one of the biggest things that every candidate should have done is a complete LinkedIn profile. Okay, recruiters day in and day out are on LinkedIn, and there's many different ways they can be using it um, from, you know, some advanced search functionality to very technical recruiting terms that we don't have to get into, but they are looking very, very keyword heavy. Okay, search strings of skills that they're looking for, job titles. They might even be looking at specific locations, professional affiliations, company names. They're targeting all of these different things to find candidates to fill their roles. So this is the passive side of recruiting. They're passive searching for people who might not even be looking for a job. So really making sure that your LinkedIn is complete. It has all of these fields basically filled in because that's going to attract the recruiter to your profile. And then, you know, you and I have talked about this at length in many other uh, venues, but the second side of your LinkedIn is kind of having that human voice and, and being engaging and inviting people to talk to you on LinkedIn. If you're active even on LinkedIn, commenting on articles and posting your own thoughts and things, this is all showing recruiters that this person is engaged in their professional, you know, field and they're active. So they're probably going to respond to me if I reach out to them. So those are all things that I believe are a must have on LinkedIn specifically. 
course, there's other websites out there, Indeed, Monster. It's helpful to have, you know, your resume available there or your profile filled out because they are using those avenues as well. I have heard other recruiters say this too about your point of being active because, again, they're so busy. And if they go on LinkedIn and you don't look like someone, it looks like you just set up an account and that was it. They might not reach out to you because they need to get that feedback from you ASAP, right? They want something within 24 hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so right. And truly even not uploading a profile picture is going to decrease your chances of having anybody, any recruiter anyway, reach out to you because they're going to think the same thing that this person, maybe they just made a profile and that's it, but they're not anywhere to be found. I don't know who this person is. Are they real? Uh, Pass, you know? Yeah. And I think it's counterintuitive for some people who have learned, oh, you don't put your photo. At least you don't include your photo on your resume in the U.S. Because that could be an issue. But yes, it's almost suspicious if your photo isn't on there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people, I I think, in the past um, have confused their LinkedIn profile for being the spitting image of your resume. And it's not not the case. They're two right. totally different, complementary, but very different formats. Yeah. And Melissa, going back to that, having your personal voice and not not just making this readable for the applicant tracking system or, or whatever those systems are that are reading your information. It's not just robots. It's people who want to connect with you. They want to know who you are and Personally, I don't see a reason to even write your about section in the third person because I I think that you're creating a barrier between between yourself and the reader if you do that. You know, when, when people are using just tons and tons of jargon and buzzwords and keywords, it's it gets old and it's it just sounds like you're you're trying to stuff it with key keywords to gain the system. It could come across as that, right? Yeah. Because the skills, there is that skills section you can use. Obviously, you can put your skills into your about section. There's room in there and in your experience section. But you can frame them in a way that's human because humans are ultimately the ones who are making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about how quickly recruiters are looking at both really a resume and a LinkedIn, and we're talking in seconds, it can get really, really easy to just glaze over information. So when it is very impersonal and just stuffy feeling keywords and it's not setting you apart. So yeah, having a little bit of personal information and and your personality there, it's engaging in itself. It's interesting. And it is going to set you apart to where the recruiter, they're going to perk up and think, oh, let me read more about this person. Let me, let me reach out to them and see, see what they're all about. Absolutely. Okay. So there's this, uh, some candidates get ghosted during the recruiting process. And what can they do? What are your suggestions there, Melissa? Yes. So 
This is a topic that is very hot, unfortunately. And of course, it's no excuse. I, I don't like it. You know, when we talk about how busy they are, sometimes it just simply falls through the cracks because they're a human and they're trying to, you know, talk to 30 plus hiring managers and give them updates and their team and blah, blah, blah. Right. We talked about that. So I think as the candidate, you should always keep in mind that you are managing the process for yourself. And so checking in with recruiters is totally fine. Sometimes, I mean, I've had many a candidate reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I had my on-site interview or my virtual interview last week. You know, what what are the next steps? Uh, where are we at? And a lot of the time, if I haven't reached out, um, I, I don't know the next steps yet, right? Because we're waiting in the background. What's happening is there are calibration sessions. You know, the hiring manager has their own calendar to manage and other interviews they're doing, other job duties that they're doing. And so I just simply don't know. And so that's why checking in is it's always fine. You can always do that. How, how often? How, how often is too often? I think once a week is fine. Honestly, I think once a week is totally fine. I think that that's acceptable. And it doesn't have to be the same every time. Maybe the first week it is checking in on status and where are we at? Do you have feedback? And maybe next time it's, hey, I saw this in the news about whatever organization you interviewed for. I thought that was really cool. And just, you know, just kind of putting it in their ear that you're still you're still there. And and then that kind of goes back to to building that relationship, right? It's not just about the transaction of I had this interview, I want this job. It's it's really about building a conversation and keeping that going. Right. And also if you don't get the job, that doesn't mean it's the end of the relationship either, because you're going to build that, continue to build that relationship. Maybe in a few months something will come along and they'll remember you. You're you're their old friend. You've yeah. been in contact with. And in the meantime, if you have a candidate who might work for them, send that person along, right? Yeah. And that's even true for if you do get a job offer and you actually decline it because that, that happens. That happens quite a bit. You get a different offer somewhere else and that just works better for you. Don't burn that bridge and just think that, oh, I got a job somewhere else. So now I... I just don't have anything to talk about this person with. I would keep that line of communication open. Make sure you're you're on LinkedIn together and and just keep keep that relationship going. Absolutely. Very good point. And what's your advice for job seekers who are feeling frustrated or discouraged about their job search? So I am a very, very big mindset person. And this might be a shift for some people, but I really do believe that if you have the mindset that you can only, first of all, control yourself, you can, and it goes back to my comment about you're managing your own process, your career is your responsibility. I think that if you take that approach, you can kind of let go of some of that frustration of being ghosted or not getting a job or feeling rejected. And 
and hopefully, you know, not taking it so personally, because really, this is just such a competitive market these days, as it's always been. But I feel like even now it's getting it's getting more competitive. And so just keeping in mind that there are other great people out there. And sometimes it literally just comes down to the hiring manager's preference and you can't control that. Right. So I really feel like just taking that responsibility and shifting your mindset to this is my career. I manage this process. I personally believe, believe in that. Melissa, that is such great advice. I think that's that's just like a, a great reminder for anybody, anybody who has a business or is consulting or looking for a job or trying to fill a job, right? Yeah. We have to take ownership. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to go through here and just kind of recap a few things is that to remember that the recruiter is hired by a company, they're paying their bills, but that doesn't mean you can't build a relationship with them. But when you're building those relationships, make sure it's not transactional. Try to find something you can give to that recruiter, whether it's, as you said, an article about the company they might not be aware of, or finding another colleague that you have that could fill a role that they might be looking for, building that relationship, taking ownership, not being discouraged, you can communicate. And I, I think that's one of those things, you know, thank you for saying once a week, because that's generally what I say too. And I say that to my kids who are in job search mode. And once a week, I thought was a good, a good timeline, but that helps coming from a recruiter because I think people get nervous. Oh, is it too often? I don't want to bug them because I don't want to be that person. <laughs> so uh, I think that's excellent. Excellent advice. Is there anything that you just wish a job seeker knew that we didn't already talk about? I think I would just emphasize again the amount of work that goes into the whole process and and really that recruiters do care. I have not met a recruiter who doesn't enjoy what they do. And they really, really are doing their best to put you in front of their hired managers, help you through the process. And so, yeah, I just, I, I want candidates to keep that in mind as well as, again, managing their process, because that's one thing we didn't get into. But when you're going into interviews, it's always it's always okay to ask your recruiter for, you know, what is the interview process like? What are the, the what are the interview questions? What is the attire? Just take that take that ownership of your um, of your job search process. Understanding that the recruiter is doing everything that they can to help you, you just got to help them help you. I think that's. The I love thing. that. Yeah, I think that that additional point of preparation and doing the research because when you can envision that process and your place in that process, I think it's so much more relaxing. I think that's going to remove a lot of the anxiety. Yeah. That's a really, really good add to that, Melissa. And as you've said at the end there, let them help them help you, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. So I do want to go back to Clubhouse, talk about that because I've been a guest on Clubhouse. I've been part of the panel. I've been, I've helped with interviewing people. It's a wonderful group of colleagues. And Melissa is on Clubhouse every week. I believe you're there every week, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been on in a while, but it's based it, the the club. If you so the way to get on to Clubhouse, if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, is you can download the app on your phone. It can be an iPhone or Android, and you just download the app. And then if you look for the Thought Leadership Branding Club, which is sponsored by Career Thought Leaders, you're going to get so much information, and it's just really wonderful because you can listen in as if it's a podcast or you can raise your hand and you can come up on stage and ask a question, but I guarantee you, you're going to get incredible information for free on this program. Yeah. And we really, we talk about every topic under the sun related to careers. Monday is going to be managing money during job search, but you know, we have um, resume and LinkedIn writing roundtables. We've got, you know, how to uh, interview everything. So yes, please come join. It's like getting free career coaching. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the panel is very dedicated and a lot of that credit goes to you, Melissa. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. And there's so many, so many of us that are sharing nuggets nuggets on there. So would love to have you. Yeah. I'm so glad you came on. Me too. It's great. It's great. Usually we're actually on clubhouse or some other way that's just voice. So it's nice to see you. Yep. And I hope you'll come back on again. I'm sure we'll have something else to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks again. Thank you. If you'd like to get more information and reach out to Melissa, you can reach her at mreeves at fortuneavenueconsulting.com. You can also connect with her on LinkedIn at Melissa N. Reeves, the N as in Nebraska. Or you can go to her website, which is fortuneavenueconsulting.com. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Career Cohort. I'm Emily Wong. You can find all my podcasts and blog posts at wordsofdistinction.net. And if you'd like to chat about how I can help you define the next step in your career and achieve your goals, head on over to the same website and book a time on my calendar for a free consult. In the meantime, please be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great content.